Like many of us, Ashley Stroop is currently working from home. For various reasons, I ended up actually coming to stay with my mom. So what I have done, I have borrowed my dad's computer monitor and one of our little TVs, and I have my laptop. So I have you know, a nice panoramic set of monitors, and I'm using my old high school desk at the moment. I'm right next to a window, which is great, so I can get some natural light while I'm working. But I have this tiny little desk with all of these monitors crammed onto it. I can relate. I'm currently recording from a closet that can barely fit the chair I'm sitting on. But Ashley's work requires more than just desk space for her computer screens. I have my my pair of 3D glasses, which I use to take a look at the images. Unfortunately, we don't have the special high-resolution 3D graphics equipment on any of our home computers. So we're using the same red and blue stereo that you know everybody's used to seeing you know, from the 50s. The reason Ashley needs 3D glasses and multiple computer monitors is because she's a robotic software and operations engineer for NASA. And she uses the glasses to help a rover navigate terrain on a planet millions of miles away, all from her bedroom. Today on the show, how people whose work gets done in space are handling working from home. I'm Ariel Zumaros. This is Reset. Ashley Stroop has been working for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory for more than 16 years. And she's the first woman to drive on Mars, so to speak. Most days, Ashley collaborates with engineers and scientists to program a rover to traverse Mars, collect data, and send it back to Earth. So we got the news to start working remotely very suddenly. We were basically told that we were not going to be coming in the next day, sort of late in the afternoon, the day before. So there wasn't really a lot of time to process what that would mean. There was a lot of rushing to try to make sure we got the equipment at home that we needed. We do have a lot of very specialized equipment um, that we need to have. And so everybody was just sort of scrambling, helping each other find, you know, I need a monitor, I need a mouse, I need a wireless headset. So I think it was really, you know, the first few days that we sort of started to try to settle into this when we really realized the other impacts, not just how much more difficult it was going to make the job not having the people sitting next to us, but just the impact of the isolation, which I'm sure, you know, everyone's experiencing that, but... You know, we're so used to working so closely together, it was stunning how much of an effect that was. Right now, communication is done through a bunch of different tools. We use a a teleconferencing system where we can all be on the phone line and we can share screens and see what each other is doing. But we have a bunch of different teleconference lines for different purposes. And so sometimes you need to be on two at a time, three at a time, or be switching back and forth throughout the day. So that can get you know, a little bit awkward and, and uh, tedious. But we also are using a lot of chat. We're using a lot of video conferencing. And we're even on occasion using uh, just direct phone calls. And so it just takes a lot longer. And you have to be really, really careful that you're not missing something. And that's, that can be really taxing. 
What do you enjoy most about your job? And are you still able to enjoy that part of your job right now as you're working from home? So the thing I enjoy the most about my job is is really the challenge of having a new problem to solve every day. You know, that's one of my absolute favorite things about the job itself. But the other really special thing to me really is the community, the people, the the coworkers who are amazing and wonderful and dedicated. And so we definitely still get those daily challenges and that's still very rewarding. Mm-hmm. But trying to hang on to those personal connections, that has been much tougher. I mean, most of us are spending a lot more time on chat, just talking with each other. Like normally what we would do, you know, go after work to dinner or happy hour or something. We're doing that online now. It takes a lot more effort. That's been the thing that's been, I think, the hardest to maintain from home. How has your approach to your work, to your job changed since you started working from home? I have to take more time to make sure that I'm doing things correctly and doing the right thing. And so I think the biggest thing that's changed is having to do everything on the phone and writing. And that doesn't sound like that would make that much of a difference, but it does. It makes things slower and less precise. And it can be really confusing when you're trying to listen to three different phone calls and four different chats at once. You can miss things, which when you're in a room, you don't tend to miss things as much. It feels higher stress because we know that the consequences could be pretty dramatic if we get it wrong. So actually, let's talk about those stakes for a second. Like when you're thinking, oh, this is stressful. I really don't want to screw this up. Like the stakes are you have millions of dollars worth of equipment on another planet? Like, what exactly is going through your mind? If we get it wrong, we could lose a spacecraft. We could lose a science experiment, which we could get back, but we could lose a spacecraft. And so nobody wants to be the person that sends that wrong command. And, you know, we definitely feel a responsibility because these spacecraft belong to the people and they paid for them and they're invested in them. And we want to make sure that we're living up to that. Is there something sort of at stake for science, for human knowledge, for humanity also in in there? We are definitely learning a lot about planets, our solar system, possibly about a place we could be living in the future. And that's hugely important. You know, our planet right now is changing a lot. And we have one example and we can get some information that might be able to help us fill in some of these models and understand how planets evolve and change, you know, by studying these planets and these spacecraft They're not just a fun thing where we're, you know, learning cool stuff. They could really be a huge investment in humanity's future. Do you think space research and exploration matters even now? I very frequently get asked, even when we're not in the context of a global pandemic, you know, why are we spending all this effort and money on space research? What are we really getting out of it? Is it worth doing that now when we have all these other problems? But I think one of the things that we have to remember, despite everything that's going on right now, is that we need to keep moving forward. We can't slow down the progress and the discovery because who knows what's going to be around that next corner that could be really, really important for our future. Everything that we can keep going right now is really important to keep going. 
Ashley Stroop is a robotics software and operations engineer for NASA. After the break, how other space research and exploration teams are adapting to working from home. And why timing is everything. This is Reset. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren Grush, senior science reporter at The Verge, you cover all things space. And I've been wondering something for a while now. Are NASA and commercial rocket companies and space research agencies, are they all still operating like it's business as usual during the pandemic? They're operating, but it's definitely not uh, business as usual right now. For NASA, all of the centers across the U.S. have instituted mandatory telework policies, except for essential personnel at some places. So that means that everybody is working from home except for just a few people that need to actually go into the mission control centers or the offices to to do critical work there. They're continuing to operate these spacecraft that are millions of miles away from our planet. And so instead of going into the office to work, the people that control these spacecraft have to come up with those commands, come up with those procedures while at home. Okay, and what about missions? Are we still seeing missions actually take place? Are are rockets getting launched? It's variable across the industry right now. So a lot of these companies, or at least rocket companies, have mission essential status because they have contracts with the Department of Defense or with NASA. So they can still operate if they need to, but there definitely has been disruptions to launches in certain parts of the sector. Why can't we just stop these missions and wait until things get a little bit more calm and sort of resolved. Why are these missions still going ahead? Well, some of these missions have, you know, really strict timelines that you can't really deviate from. Either they have limited fuel on board or there are certain windows of time that you have to execute certain procedures because of orbital mechanics. For instance, this summer, the window opens to go to Mars and that window doesn't open for us very often uh, because of the the orbits, Earth and Mars only come close to each other every two years. And so NASA has been working on their upcoming Mars rover, and it's set to launch this summer. And if they miss that window, then they have to wait another two years. And then that's even more money you have to spend on storing the spacecraft and keeping it, you know, okay and ready to go for that next launch. And NASA has designed the rover and the spacecraft to get it to Mars to launch during this very specific window. So it can't launch any other time. It has to launch during this this window or else it won't make it. Okay, and from what I understand, NASA actually had a really important milestone happen just a few weeks ago, right? It was a milestone for a project that's been in the works for over a decade. What was it? 
So NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission is currently in space right now. They've sent a spacecraft to an asteroid named Bennu. And the whole point of this mission is to grab a sample of rocks from the surface of that asteroid and then bring them back to Earth so that we can study them further. Asteroids are really interesting because they are thought to be relatively unchanged uh, since the beginning of the solar system. So studying them here on Earth is kind of like looking at a baby picture of the planets when they first formed. Mm. And we can learn a lot about what types of materials were present. And, you know, that can answer a lot of questions about the early solar system. Well, OSIRIS-REx has been planning for this sample grab to happen this summer. Of course, they were not planning on having a pandemic happen at the same time, but the show must still go on. And they had these dress rehearsals leading up to the sample grab planned. So what does a dress rehearsal mean? What does that look like? The procedure to go grab that sample from the asteroid is very delicate. And if the spacecraft comes in at just the wrong angle or at the wrong speed, it could, you know, tilt, it could uh, run into the surface and get damaged. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong if the spacecraft doesn't do exactly the right maneuvers it needs to do. And so this dress rehearsal was basically a way for the spacecraft to practice all the motions it's going to have to do in August. It just wasn't exactly the same dress rehearsal they had envisioned. So how did the team adapt? So originally, the plan was for everybody to fly to Colorado to go to Lockheed Martin's Mission Control Center and monitor the dress rehearsal from there. That didn't happen. Instead, they had a skeleton crew of people at Mission Control to actually send the commands to the spacecraft, and they all had to practice social distancing, you know, had to wear masks while two-thirds of the team remained at home and phoned in or chatted with the group and monitored the event remotely. Okay, and did everything work out according to plan? Yeah, from what I understand, the dress rehearsal went off without a hitch. But of course, there were some hiccups that come with working remotely. Uh, The principal investigator said that his phone kept getting put on mute while he was calling in. So even our Earth-based technology can muck up a space mission from time to time. Okay, so besides getting muted randomly on a call, what are the biggest difficulties that these engineers who operate spacecraft are encountering as they work from home? I think the greatest thing that I found is that it's the difficulties that probably you or I are experiencing right now. You know, sometimes dogs will bark on important telecons while they're discussing plans for for the spacecraft. One of the rover planners I spoke to said that he's basically got his home set up in his one-bedroom apartment with his wife and his dog. And I told him, you know what, I'm doing the same thing except with my husband and my dog and my one-bedroom apartment. So it just felt very familiar. And it's all the same things that I'm sure everybody across the world is dealing with right now, except the work that these people are doing is, you know, set millions of miles away from the Earth. Is this causing any difficulties? I mean, I would imagine that they need special equipment. I would imagine that they also probably need really good internet. From a, like, technical standpoint, how is this working out? From what I understand... Yes, the internet is key just because it is keeping them connected. I know that they also have a lot of uh, security measures in place with their computers at home. You know, VPNs 
things like that. So security is paramount for this kinds of stuff because they don't want anyone hacking their at-home computers because this is really sensitive work that they're doing. Um, so I'm sure there might be some slight risk involved, but from what I understand and from the people I've spoke to, it sounds like they've risen to the challenge pretty well. I did hear a lot of positivity from the folks who were saying how much their job is so meaningful to them right now because it feels so hopeful and it's a bit of a, an escape for them during such a you know serious and daunting time for the country. They, they said that, you know, it's nice to work on something so hopeful, a reminder of what humanity can do. There's something really interesting about the concept of these people doing something sort of small at home, working from home like many of us, but working on these gigantic projects that are happening so far away. There's something really remarkable about, about that thought. I thought that too. And I think a lot of the times when we think about space and space exploration, it's this larger than life kind of thing that you think is inaccessible sometimes. But talking to these people, it really just reminded me that, oh, you know what? We're all human and we all have to deal with the same things, whether it be writing articles from home like me, or whether it's planning out the day of a rover or an interplanetary spacecraft. Right now, the world is in the middle of a crisis. And so I could imagine that for some people listening to this conversation, some might be wondering why we should care about space right now. What's your response to that? I think it's a nuanced thing to think about. So, yes, there are certain things that can be put on pause right now. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, I reported about employees at Blue Origin who were concerned that their company was pressuring them to conduct a launch of their suborbital tourism rocket, which would have required them to travel from Washington to Texas. They made the case, and, and I think it, the case can be made, that launching that particular rocket right now isn't necessary, and it's probably best to you know consider the health risks associated with that. But like I said earlier, when it comes to these missions that are, you know, you've put decades into them and it's not so simple as just turning off the light bulb and they'll be there when they get back. There is something to be said about keeping those going and and making sure that they last. And it's also just a reminder of how resilient we are as a species, the great things that we can do and how we can continue to maintain these really complex spacecraft while dealing with the insane challenges that we have here at home. You somehow always manage to find hope in, in space and space research and space exploration, Lauren. And I really, really appreciate that about you. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Lauren Grush is a senior science reporter at The Verge. Lauren, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm Ariel Zimros, and this is Reset. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, 
rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We'll be back on Sunday. Later, nerds.